Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' series, a month-long event celebrating the authors and narrators that bring romance stories to life. Listen along as Viviana, Enchantress of Books, interviews your favorite writers and voices, share special guest posts, and stay tuned for some special information at the conclusion of the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with author Sandra Safeson. Welcome to the Audiobook Loving, Sandra. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And, and I'm really glad to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is. Did I get your name right? You did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As I'm saying, I'm going, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to go Stephenson. <laughs> uh, I really should have used my maiden name. It's much easier as, as a pen name, but um, um, I, I don't even know why I used my real name. I guess I didn't think I was going to be writing more than one book in my lifetime. So um, yeah, my name, my name, name is much easier. It's Nilsson. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it happens. And again, it's just one of those things that even like when it comes down to fonts, S's are really pretty in some of the fonts. Yes. Yes, they are. Same thing with like the F that you can kind of do on there too. So it, it, there's, it's a good name. We just have to make <laughs> sure that we pronounce it correctly. That's why we always, we, anybody should always ask when they're not sure. It's a, it's just a common courtesy that I think they should be done. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a conversation starter too. Exactly. Yes. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started? Oh, um, okay. So I am married for going on 37 years. Um, I have two sons, adult sons. Um, I have lots of pets in the house, always have pets. And um, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> I'm really kind of boring, to be honest. Um, and so as far as writing, okay, so um, that's, that actually started out as kind of a joke. Um, well, not a joke, but, but as a a test to myself. I watched um, one of those romance movies on TV, one of the really corny ones. Um, and I don't mind the corny ones because they all have their time and place. But this one was so bad. I just, I could not believe somebody actually spent the money to produce it. And I said to myself, God, I could write better in my sleep. And then I thought, okay, smarty pants, do that. Um, and I, in a previous lifetime, I was a secretary for a film production company. And so I was familiar with scripts. And I thought maybe I'll just write a movie script just for the fun of it. And it ended up being a almost 90,000 word uh, novel. And then I didn't know what to do with it. And I thought, well, I don't know the first thing about being an author in the sense that I don't have an education uh, in that direction. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I needed an editor just to be sure that if I was going to publish this, that it actually sounded like it was written by somebody who knew what the heck they were doing. And that was a great education because he ended up not only being just an editor, but he was also a great teacher. So my second book um, was called uh, Mr. Magnificent. And when that one came out, um, my editor said that he was quite um, happy with the, the, the quality of writing had gone so much better from the first novel to the second one. And that he was very pleased that I was learning quickly. And so that gave me, you know, that positive feedback. And I thought, okay, fine, I'll do a third novel. And then it just spiraled from there. I I just got so involved in it. It was fun. It was a way of creating a different world than you live in yourself. Um, You could take dribs and drabs of your own life um, and people that you've met 
and sort of add them in in an antidotal ways, changing names and places, but you know, taking quirky things from people that you know and um, incorporating them into your characters in the book. And I think that's probably been the funnest part. It's almost like my own little secret. I know who these people are, but they <laughs> won't know who they are. But I, but they're in my books. And I think most authors will do that. They'll they'll be inspired by somebody that they know um, or something that's happened, and and that'll be part of a story. So. That's pretty much um, how things have gone. I started writing in um, not even quite three years ago. It was July of 2018 when I started to sit down and write that first book, Avalon. Um, so it's it's gone fast and furious for me. The, um, the audiobook thing I started in 20, I think late 2019 was when um, Ava and I got connected and then I met her and a few of the other narrators um, at the, oh, I can't remember what that, what is the name of that? Um, was on that boat. Queen Mary? The Queen Mary, yes. So I went to that one and that's where I met uh, quite a few people and got familiarized with the idea of, of doing um, book events and such. I haven't done one of those yet because by the time I decided to do something like that, the pandemic hit. So I've never been to one as a as a um, as a presenter. I've only ever been there as a, as a guest. Yeah, um, well, so I'm looking are, forward to that. Yeah, those are definitely coming back now that uh, our you know safety measures and all that fun stuff continues to improve. Um, yeah, so it'll be fun to have you be um, one of the signing authors at one of these upcoming events. So I, yeah, for sure, yeah, I think it'll, next it'll, year is when they're starting. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. See, I have two booked for 2022. Um, but uh, I don't know if anything's going to happen for 2021 because um, I think Canada is we're we're still making it very difficult for people to cross the border. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say. I mean, I, I I had plans for this summer to head to New York and and personally meet my editor um, and just spend some time with him and his family. But um, we'll have that's still up in the air and yeah. until I get my second shot and um the borders open up a little easier mm -hmm. you know that, that's I, i'll have to wait until that all happens yeah and i think everybody's itching just to be able to hang out with like minds and things like that i mean we have all these book friends that you know understand when we go goo goo gaga over a character or we have a fangirl over an author or now a narrator and it's you know there are people and uh, it's always fun to be able to connect with them in that aspect aside from social media yeah, so yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun when that happens again. Yeah. So the primary genre that you write in is contemporary romance. What is it about that genre that you love so much? Oh, um, well, I've always considered myself a, um, a ridiculous romantic. Um, I cry very easily over the dumbest things. Um, and, you know, and like I said, the, the romance films, I've loved them since I was very young. So when I started writing, it just made sense for me to write in that in that subject um and in previous things that i've participated in i was uh, a co-host for a podcast called uh, leave it to beavers <laughs> which was a canadian thing um and then we changed the name to beaver talk um and so it was a girlfriend of mine who started the the, the podcast and uh, it was about dating and relationships so her being single for 20 years and me being married for 20 years at that point, um, it was a good 
um, um, you know, the differences between our lives made for good commentary. Mm -hmm. um, she, she was um, a little on the raunchy side, very open-minded. And so I, I learned a lot from her as well. And we did some pretty stupid things. And uh, some of it's on YouTube, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but it was good fun. It was, it, we had a great time. And so I kind of incorporated a little bit of what I learned from doing that podcast. Um, I, I did it for four years. And um, so that really helped in, in my writing as well, uh, being more open-minded about the love scenes. Um, and when I, I did have in my head that if I was going to write a love scene that I wanted it to be not fading to black. I don't believe in fading to black um, because there's all this buildup of emotions and conversations and the hints and, and all that stuff. And I wanna see it actually happen, right? Mm -hmm. so, so for me, it's important to write a full love scene, not just um, they kissed, he fondled her. And then, you know, the next scene, they're eating dinner or something. Um, I feel jilted when I read books that are written like that. And I, I know there's authors that that's just not their scene to write love, love scenes. And that's fine. I know that ahead of time because I'm familiar with that author. But for me, uh, I think that's really important. And so my books typically have at least three um, detailed sex scenes in them so romance <laughs> i get off topic no, so no. <laughs> off topic. blah 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 no blah, but blah. but that's also i mean <laughs> no 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 you're fine <laughs> uh, i was trying to figure out how to phrase the next question because it's romance is an umbrella term i, I mean i figure i see it as an umbrella term with all the subgenres underneath it so we have paranormal we have you know historical we have the contemporary romance and then we yes. you know we have sci-fi and victorian and so on and so forth since you're writing in contemporary is there a subgenre that you have yet to write in that you're wanting to or curious about writing in um no mm -hmm. um um, I love historical romance as far as reading and watching it on in movies, mm -hmm. but I could never write it. it, it uh, I would fail epically at writing that. Um, so I'll leave that to those who who, who do it well. Um, I like erotica. I like writing erotic romance. I like writing contemporary romance. I like young characters mm -hmm. um, and and middle aged characters. I um, I've never written anybody that's over fifty. Um, and I'd like to, but um, I guess that's uh, something to look forward to at some point. Um, but I think I would like to write, um, I don't know how to define it. I want to write something along the lines of, um, oh, I, 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 I'm trying to think of a movie title. Um, and I, I do have these brain farts where my brain literally goes blank and I, and I can't think of people's names or book names or, um, but something truly romantic, something that's um, a long sweeping story that, that, that's not necessarily about the sex or anything, but it's about the romance, about how it builds and have it in an epic background, um, a story that I'm trying to start writing at the moment. I already have the title and I know what it wants to happen. Um, the backdrop is Ireland. Oh. Um, and so that's that's some that's the direction I want to go for something that's um, 
I don't want to be campy. Let's put it that way. I don't want to ever go to the campy side mm-hmm. of, of romance. I'm not, I love humor, but I, I don't think I'd be a good uh, rom-com writer in, in that sense. Not like uh, um, Lauren Blakely, for example, um, you know, who is, who is a wonderful rom-com writer. Um, I'm more on the serious side, mm-hmm. but I do like to inject humor. So um, yeah, I, I, I'll just kind of stick in the lane I'm in because I don't think I can go very different from there. Maybe it's because I'm still a new writer in the sense that I've only been doing this for, for less than three years. Does that make sense? No, totally. Yeah. I think that it, um, it, it a really helps roundabout out. way of explaining. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some people that will bust out with just literally like, nah, I haven't thought about it or no, I like what I'm doing or haven't even thought about it, but it's also, I mean, it's part of it is because you're new, but also you, you know, what you're, you know, what you like to do. That's the other thing. There's some authors that stick to dark romance and that's it. Or some to do sci-fis or epic fantasies or, you know, time travel. They yeah. do all these different things. And, and that's great because it just gives us a variety of authors to read and listen to. So we're fine with yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I've had this conversation with several authors in all different genres. Like a, a, a friend of mine is a horror writer and um, you know, he's been asked a number of times, well, why don't you write romance or have you ever included romance in your stories? And he's like, well, I think romance kind of fits into almost every genre you can throw in a romantic situation but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to write romance. And I certainly wouldn't want to write an entire book on romance because that's not my lane. So um, that's the beauty of romance writing is that it can slide its way into all kinds of things, vampire books, into horror, into, um, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there, it, 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 there's no limits to where romance can, can slip in uh, under any genre. So. Yeah, I've always found it fascinating when like even like romantic suspense and I'm going, y'all realize there's bullets flying right by you for you guys to be looking at each other so steamily and saying, <laughs> you know, it's coming up after we get out of this ditch hole, right? <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith, for example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though, because I know my, if me, if I was in that boat, I would not be thinking, I'm like, I probably know in my back of my head, oh God, you're hot, but not, that would not be my priority right now when I'm getting shot at, but that's yes. the whole fantasy of it and the whole you know suspending of disbelief and stuff like that and and it's cool that you guys as writers can come up with these different scenarios and different genres and and even the tropes um yes we have so many different tropes now you know friends to lovers enemies to lovers office romance the guy next door blah 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 do you have a favorite trope to write and maybe read and listen to that's a good question um i think um I'm pretty open-minded. I think for me, the story and the characters are the most important part in, in a good story. Um, I've, I've found that if I'm buying audiobooks, I gravitate to people like Megan March, um, Vi Keeland, uh, Penelope Ward. Um, oh God, who else is there? Um, they're more serious writers mm-hmm. as far as... Um, we were talking about subgenres, right? Yeah, the different tropes, because they have- Yeah, the, oh, sorry, yeah. tropes, yeah, that's the word you were. <laughs> um, so um, I like Enemies to Lovers. I like, um, one of my favorite books, I think is written by Vi Keelan and Penelope Ward. And it was the one where um, the guy was a rock star 
and he reconnected with somebody that he was writing letters to. What was it called? The the love letters or um hate no hate notes, hate letters. Hate notes I've read, yes. Um um oh god what was it called it was something like um um sexy letters or something (laughs) anyways and it was such a good story because they'd never met in person but they were pen pals when they were children and then somehow they he decided he was going to try and find out what happened why did they stop writing to each other and she obviously was not um uh, um and didn't know that he'd become this famous rock star and so they kept writing back and forth and then they finally meet. And it was just a really well thought out story. Um, and maybe I connected to it because I, I had a lot of pen pals. I loved writing letters. I liked snail mail, you know, I like getting cards. Um, and I think there's a lost art in that. And so maybe that's why that story resonated with me so much, but unique situations. And I know I've had a lot of compliments about the voice from 808 because um, it was different than anything else that was out there in the way that the two people met. Um, and so, um, and that was spawned literally by that exact situation. I was driving in my car and my phone rang through the Bluetooth. I answered it and this incredibly sexy voice, I, the guy should have been a narrator, um, asked for Susan or something. And I said, oh, I think you've got the wrong number. And he was so polite and, and we actually chatted for a minute before we hung up and I'm like, damn, I want that guy's phone number, right? So, and then that's kind of how the, the, that story developed. So um, I think people come across situations in their life and those are how stories come about. They're just funny situations. Yeah. You know, most, most times you get a, a phone call, it's, it's, oh, sorry, wrong number. And they're like, okay, click, you know, that's the end of it. Yeah, I don't think that a lot of people are answering phone, uh, you know, phone calls from people that they don't know thanks to caller ID. The that definitely is an art that has been yeah. lost about being able to have those conversations with people that you have no freaking clue who they are on the other end and potentially right. have that because I've had that happen like my younger years, you know, when when I was um in the '90s in high school and stuff like that, and I had the corded phone up against the wall. You can go around the corner with the long ass cord. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm envisioning my sister-in-law who, who was had that phone stuck in her ear permanently. Yeah, exactly. And it was around the house. Yeah, and so when you would get those, and you're like, hey, and they're like, hey, and they're like, and then you just started talking, and you're like, who are you calling again? That whole option now is very rare that that can yes. to happen. Yeah. But that also yeah, and the only reason I answered that call is because I was in the car. I couldn't see what the call number was. It just said call from and the and you know, mm-hmm. answer yes or no. And so I hit answer because I wasn't sure who it would be, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely, especially with the 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 um robocalls and the yeah. scam calls. God, those are rampant. It's terrible. It is, and those are ne- and they never sound that sexy. I mean. No, no. no. <laughs> robocalls are not sexy. That's, that's a definite guarantee. Yeah, it's like, no, it doesn't do that. You know, it's like, See, that's this is not. where the fault is. They should be hiring people like Sebastian York and uh, Jacob Morgan and, and to, to do their phone calls. Can you people imagine? Up if those guys were phoning them, right? They'd be like, wow, just keep talking, you know? Because, yeah, you, what do you want me to pay again? Sorry, what was yes, that? Yeah. How, <laughs> How many iTunes cards am I sending you? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I was late on that payment. I completely disregard if it means you're yeah. going to call me back again. I may forget again. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah. Oh, repeat. Yep. 
Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Was that a, um, was it the love, the story of a love song? The one that you were talking about, the VQ, uh, Vicunlin and Penelope Ward? Might be the, the story of a love song. Yeah, that, um, it was something song. letters. It was oh, okay. either sexy letters or. I know they have a hate like letters. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Someone would tell us. Y'all yeah. listening, just yeah. tell us which book it is. One um, of them is called Hate Notes. Yeah. I know, I know, remember that one, but this mm-hmm. one is Love Letters or something. It actually okay. won an award, I believe. I, I think it won a, a, yeah. a, a Sova's. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, the the never a complaint of us as li- listeners and readers. There's just so many books out there, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to keep up with. And sometimes I'm like, show me the cover. And then I'll remember if I read it or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, I know. And I do that too. When I scroll through my audible list of, mm-hmm. of the books that I've either read or are still waiting to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at them and I think, God, I don't even remember that book. I'm going to have to re-listen to it now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's easy. And some of these girls, I mean, let's face it, the the audiobook listeners, especially in Romance Landia, they are ravenous. Oh God, they yes. Go through books in a day, and it takes me three months to write it and then another three months to find my narrators and get it recorded and then at least another two months before it hits audible so it's a you know it's a seven eight month project for me to get an audiobook to market and they gobble it up in 24 hours and I'm just like stop I can't can't keep up right yep yeah um I I wish I could I wish I could pump them out you know once a month but unfortunately I don't uh you know, I, even as a fast writer, I've been told I'm a fast writer because I write in three months, and um, and I don't know how uh, how people. Well, well, Lauren Blakely, she's another one that that writes like super fast and just pumps out book after book after book, and um, and I think that's wonderful. I, I at some point would love to be in her shoes. Yeah, I think there's also a lot of processes that we don't get to see behind the scenes when it when it comes down to that writing the fast thing. Some of them, you yes. know, it sounds like they're writing fast, but this is like the fifth book that has yet to be published because there's five other books in front of it. And yes. so from a tiny perspective, yeah. it looks like they're publishing a lot. And then others are literally writing off the seat of their pants before the script needs to go to the production company. You know, they right. just finished the last 10 words and I'm going, Ooh, no, that's just too much stress for me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah and I, I don't think I even mentioned it going to the editor either yeah right? exactly yeah it's gonna take a month before he's he's satisfied with um you know changes adjustments yeah and, and then uh, checking it again right? so many different things that go into doing a book and mm-hmm. then again to go into audio there's just a lot of different steps and some people are really quick others do not the listeners that are vivacious I am going to preface the following with I there is no hate everybody does things differently I am not one to speed up my audio. There's I've noticed that a lot of the ones that are gobbling up are the ones that are speeding it up. And I'm going, okay, maybe not a one, 1. 1.5 is okay. But they're going at a two or three. And I'm going, how do you listen and speed up a Jacob Morgan or a Jason yeah. Clark? I mean, you kind of lose some of that, but they're you know known I, for, but again, teach his own kind of a thing. Yeah. I, I will listen at, at, at 1.0. Mm -hmm. 90% of the time if there is um some recordings are feel like they're recorded slow though yes and so in that in those instances I will go to 1.5 because then it will feel more natural to my ear Mm -hmm. um but generally I I don't speed up anything um I've done that to a couple of stories where I thought okay this is really boring this section so I'll just I'll speed it up 
just to get through it, but I don't want to miss what they're saying. Yes. Um, but as a general rule, no, I, I keep my audio at, at 1.0 and I enjoy it, uh, you know, word for word and at the right speed. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, again, it goes back to, for me, it goes back to not wanting to miss anything in the story, but also the voices. And there's very, very, I think there might be one or two that, um, that if they do the book by themselves, that I might want to be like, okay, I can speed this up a little bit, but it is true though. I think the bigger publishing houses will, um, have them slow down on the reading or the narratives do that on purpose just to kind of make sure things are enunciated correctly. And also, you know, I think they get paid a little differently, but anyways, I, it, some of the productions are done a little slower and that's kind of the, some of the stuff that we've talked about with narrators when it comes down to that. So, yes, yes. But that's also why it's great that we have so many different authors and narrators out there that we can finish yours and say, so when's the next one coming out? And then put that on our, on our calendars and then go on to listening to a Lauren Blakely or an Ava Harrison and things like that, and just continue to devour exactly. them. So that's always a great yes. thing. Yeah. Yes. You, you touched on it a little bit beforehand about, uh, you know, where you get your ideas for your books mm-hmm. uh, and how situations sometimes happen and just goes, ooh, that's a good idea. When that doesn't happen, how do you go about it? Or is it that's exactly how it always happens for you? Um, something will will spark my interest. I quite often have three books um, at going at the same time because I'll be in the middle of writing one book and then an idea will come to me and I'll start the first chapter of that idea set it aside, go back to my other novel that I'm focusing on. And then another idea will pop up and then I'll have three books going, but um, I don't want to lose the idea. So I'll write that first chapter just to get my foot in the door. And then, you know, I can embellish on it when I'm ready to, 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 tick, to attack, to speak Sandra, um, to attack that, that next project. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So like that one I was telling you about, The Irishman's Promise, the, the one that's focused in with the Irish background um, as the backdrop, rather. Um, so that one, um, that is actually spawned by someone I know who is Irish um, and just conversations I've had with them. So um, sometimes this, the idea is just so simple, just just basic. And other times it's far more interesting, like the phone call, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. So you've mentioned a few times how, you know, it's based, you know, the, the idea was sparked by something or someone saying something or that you've, the characters sometimes have little nuances from people that you know. Mm-hmm. Do, do these individuals know that you are an author and have they ever picked up and said, really, Sandra, this? <laughs> um, well, the funny thing is that my first two novels, my nieces read. Um, and so they didn't pick up on anybody that they related to okay. um, in the stories, even though I did base, I typically base my characters off at least somebody that I know or somebody that I've met that, that stuck out in my head character-wise. Um, and then, um, and, but they thought that every sex scene in the book was a reiteration of my own sex life with my husband. And I'm like, no, are you kidding me? Like, why would I write about my own personal sex life in my books? And but this is what they thought. So I found that like incredibly amusing. 
Well, I, you know, I think a lot of listeners slash readers think that, that when it comes down to it, I'm like, they, they have that moment of, hmm, I wonder how much of this is an actual experience. Yes. Yes. You know? So this, the, the, some of the, like I said, the characters, we, we all pick from, from things we know, what we've seen, what we've heard, or even, even a, a character on a, on a commercial on television might spawn an idea. Um, so it, it's just what you're surrounded with and what you know, mm-hmm. but you know, absolutely, certainly, I will never put my own personal <laughs> stuff um, in my books. There, like they, your nieces. <laughs> but I, I, I just killed myself laughing when I when I heard them say that. And like, yeah, nope, nope, nope. Because that Some shit just doesn't belong in a book. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, those are oh, those are those fun moments that sometimes just happens, and you're going, "No, nah, I did not expect that one." Okay, yeah, yeah, and that 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 was pretty funny. Yeah. So there's all these different scenes in a book, whether it's the first time that they meet, the first time they there's this um, the angst between each other, or the the chemistry, and of course the sex scenes that you've talked about a little bit. What type of scene do you love to write in your books? I do prefer to write the sex scenes. I do. That's my favorite part of the book. Okay. That's usually not the case with authors. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 I actually spend a great deal of time writing those specific sections. I find the sex scenes um, such an important part of my books that I do spend a lot more time uh, focusing on how realistic I can make it. Um, and I've been told that that um, I do a pretty good job of it, so that makes me happy because um, it is important to me. So um, I I must be doing something right in that respect. I I know everybody looks at sex in a different way, has had different sexual experiences, and might think, oh, that's not possible, or why would they have done that? Um, but I think we all do that with every book. We we hear something in it and think, oh, that doesn't seem logical to me. But whatever, you know, that's the way the author saw it. So. Um, you don't criticize them for it it just maybe doesn't resonate with you personally Mm -hmm. yeah or the opposite you're going hmm that sounds like a good idea oh yeah definitely (laughs) definitely yeah there's a lot of things in in my in my sex scenes that I would like to try I haven't gotten around to it yet too busy writing or marketing or Mm -hmm. yeah time on Twitter and TikTok and yeah Oh yeah, no, I get it. It's one of those things where I know a lot of people are like highlight and then give it to their significant other, their partners, and they're like, read it, memorize it later tonight. And so, yeah, that's a, one of the many perks about reading romance are the positivity that when it comes down to, you know, sex and the whole concept is no longer taboo. So yeah. Good. Yeah. When I was younger, um, say 18 to say 25, I did read a lot of erotica. Um, and um I don't know why, but I did. And then sometimes I would read it to my husband and that would, you know, that would be a wonderful situation. We'd both be aroused and, and, um, and it would turn into a great evening. But um, I don't know, some people say, well, it's not good erotica unless you actually walk away aroused. And I think, well, yes and no. I mean, if you're reading it because you want to get aroused, then sure, you're going to want something that's really salty. Um, but then there's, there's erotica that is very subtle, mm-hmm. uh, has a real deep level of romance to it. Um, and that is, that can be that to me, that's beautiful writing. If you can do that. 
right? Yes. You, it doesn't have to be all up in your face. There's a way yeah. to do it with the, the... I, I don't need to hear um, about how long his cock is or, you know, the exact movements of her lips over his cock in order to be satisfied with this being the sex scene. Um, uh, that to me is a much deeper level of erotica than adding erotica scenes to a romance novel. Mm -hmm. um, we get the picture so far in our head and we only, we only need to go so far in that respect. Then there's true erotica, which goes that next step over. So yeah. I think a lot of people don't know how to define that. And there is a very fine line between it. Some authors do go that level and the, and the readers love it. And, but most authors, I think, know where that line is. And if you're going to say contemporary romance with erotica scenes, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to get the exact blow by blow. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on the flip side, what type of scene is especially difficult for you to write? I don't know. I've never really been stumped so much. Um, I guess trying to write in male perspective mm -hmm. um, is a bit challenging, um, but I've done an awful lot of it um, because my stories are quite often told in duet. So um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, if, I, if I feel like I'm stuck on something, then I research it. You know, like if I don't know anything about how to draw blood from an arm, then I will find out from a friend of mine who's a nurse. Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing so I, I don't struggle in that in that way because I'm willing to ask the questions and get the answers I need that I don't know I, I don't know how to answer that question because I don't think I've ever found anything truly difficult to write that's good maybe, though maybe I haven't stretched myself enough to get to that point that's well, possible yeah I mean that could be it too but also sometimes people go in a place for a character that the, they didn't realize the story was taking them there and then they're going, yes. Ooh, how do I, how do I get out of this? Or how, how does, how do I relay the message? Because it may be something that's a little bit more sensitive topic. Yes. And, and so that's where sometimes when books are like that, that might be a little bit more difficult versus, you know, something like a sex scene, but for many authors, they will write insert sex here and then continue with their story right. <laughs> because they're going to use that, you know, because it's for them, it's that's difficult. So we all have our different things and, and that's fine. Um, and that's just how we, you know, cause we're human. What made you want to release your titles in audio? Um, Sebastian York and Andy aren't <laughs> all their fault. That's, that's my answer. Um, <laughs> they, they were the first voices I ever heard in audiobook, and I was instantly in love. And I bought everything that had their names on them um, before I realized that there were other narrators because then there'd be like a multicast in, in one of the books. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, that's a cool voice too. Oh, I'm going to find out who he is and then, or who she is and, and start picking their names. Um, so that's kind of how that started. It, it was, you know, finding a, a love for audiobooks as a personal thing. Um, prior to that, I was just a regular, you know, book and hand reader. So, um, yeah, and it's a lot of fun. And I, and I, and I, I like the idea of, because I've got an experience in past with working in recording studios and with, uh, you know, film production companies. Um, I like the idea of my stories being brought to life by somebody else's voice. And um, so that's, that's, I guess, part two of that, of that situation. 
Mm-hmm. You know that um, a lot of times that that's something that is said about the narrators bringing the story to life. I also see that sometimes we're, we're not because I started off with a lot of more reading. I think I, right now I'm only like, I think I have like 100% of the, the literature I do is not audiobooks. But I would devour the books. And then sometimes because I was devouring them, there's some things that I may have missed that may not have been huge, you know, as far as plot, you know, twists or something like that. But still to be able to listen to the book and say, oh, yeah, that's what that was. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, so that's really cool. Very true. Yeah. And that brings that extra dimension. And just especially when you have the right narrators doing it, it's just perfect. And, yeah, uh, and if you and if you've if you've you know read a paperback and then you hear the audiobook, and I know some people do the whisper sync thing where they're looking at it through their iPads or whatever, um, and and reading along while they're listening to the narrators, um, you know that's a whole different thing. And I think when you read a book first, you have in your head what you think they sound like, mm-hmm. and then you have the narrated version, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, now this is a whole different life because you already had in your head what you thought that person might sound like. And then you actually have somebody reading that role. Um, and I think it brings a whole, it brings that story back to life in a different way. Um, so that's kind of fun too. I've done that a couple of times. Yeah, no, definitely. And you end up getting into this, what we call like the audiobook rabbit hole, where you start off with Sebastian York and Andy Arndt, and then you realize that Andy has done books with other narrators. And then you, oh, look, there's Jason Clark and Jason Clark, oh, you know, kind of you start bouncing. And, exactly you know, exactly and it's so like oh look you know it's Sebastian with Emma Wilder and you jump again and all that fun stuff and that's mm-hmm. how you discover new ones and new authors and it's a nice hole <laughs> from a rabbit perspective it is. it's a nice warm fuzzy hole that's yeah <laughs> as soon as I said it, I'm going oh boy <laughs> I, I went down there with you so yeah I love it that's what I love about you <laughs> Yeah, that was a quick way to as soon as I said, I'm going, I ah, five, there she is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but oh of course, God. I mean, we, we love romance. We're going to have, I mean, I'm the friend that can make anything into a sexual innuendo. So that was going to be a yes. <laughs> yes, shake my hand. Yes. Cyber, cyber shake. Here we go. Yep. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so when it comes down to these are your books, these are your babies. You wrote them, you know them at the back of your hand, you know how they sound and everything. What is your casting process look like to get the right voices for these characters to come to life? Uh, I think after you do your first couple of audiobooks, you have a process, and I think Lauren Blakely has touched on this before, where um, you know they have in their head while they're writing the voice of the narrator that they would like to um, to to read the book, um, and so I've done that. Um, so quite often, um, like the, the book that's coming out that I just released on paperback and ebook, but it's coming in audio, uh, this summer and that's from Bridges to Breakdowns. And I did write that with Jacob Morgan in mind as the, as the, as the main character. Um, I just heard him saying the words mm-hmm. of this, you know, young, uh, roadie and his, uh, his journey through, through the book. So I was very, very happy when he agreed to be that voice. So um, it, it came together quite nicely, but it's not always the case, right? You, you can write um, who you think is going to narrate it and find out that they're just too busy or um, they don't think it's a project that they wanna get involved in, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, that's fine, it's, it's all up to them, right? Yeah. All you can do yeah. is ask. <laughs> exactly, but I also think sometimes too is that there's, 
there are certain things about the narrator's voices that we love. Like for Emma Wilder, she has this silky huskiness to her that it's almost like a 1940s, what we think of this, you know, the, the sexy icon movie. And she can still turn around and do the little girl's voice from a character's perspective. And then we have um, the deeper timbers of like Sebastian York. And we can always say, well, what do you like about that, you know, voice of that narrator? And we can then say, okay, well, these other narrators have a similar, you know, cadence or stuff like that. So that's very helpful too. When I know when I'm casting is having that conversation with the, with the author saying, well, why Sebastian York? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, or why Jacob Morgan or why Jason Clark, or, you know, like I said, Andy and stuff like that. And it's, when it comes down to one of those characteristics about their voices, then we can say, okay, well, these other narrators also fit those characteristics and are also phenomenal. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and see now this is how Jason Clark ended up being the snotty little uh, Brit and creative director is that originally in my head, I had, um, um, oh God, my mind has gone blank again. <laughs> um, Shane East, I had Shane East in my head while I was writing that character. And so Shane uh, to read for it. And because it was a duet, and this was in the middle of the pandemic thing where everybody was, nobody was allowed to do anything. He said he preferred to be in the studio with the other person when he was doing duet. And so with, for that reason, he was going to turn it down. And I said, that's fine. Fair enough. I, I get that. Totally makes sense. Um, and uh, then I ended up approaching Jason Clark and he gave me a sample of his Brit accent. And I'm like, well, if you want to do it, buddy, it's sold because that, I, that's fa- absolutely fantastic. I can totally hear you um, as, as this character. So um you know, sometimes it doesn't work out the way you think it does, you think it's going to, but it turns out better than you ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, that's what happened with Jason Clark. Yeah. No, Jason has a phenomenal British accent. Yeah. Um, he's got that, a great range. I, and yes. sometimes you don't know until you ask them, well, can you do this? And they're like, oh yeah, sure. And they send you stuff. And you're like, holy crap, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I'm like, whoa, I did not know you had that in your book. What the fuck? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like finding out that certain narrators can sing. Oh yeah, we we all know Jacob Morgan can sing. Yep, Um, Jason Clark too. uh, Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, now I've got another narrator that I've got for this upcoming book, and and there is a song in there that I've written. Um, And uh, I just threw the question out: Can he sing? And she's like, um, uh, Aaron Spencer, who is producing this one for me. Um, she checked in with him and, and she said, yep, he's been singing, he's been in a grunge rock band and so on and so forth. And I'm like, cool. Okay, great. So I've got my singer too, which is fantastic, but you don't know until you ask, right? Yep. Nope. It's, it's definitely something I've learned is to ask the questions, whether it's about a discount or changing something on a, on, on a meal or stuff like that, but or just cause you never know until you ask. And that's, just, yes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So we have more books coming out with songs in the mud, like and when they do that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe that your one of your upcoming releases in June is a re-release of Rain on a Tin Roof. That's that was, correct. Yeah, that yes. is being re-released in duet style this time around. And you've hired a newcomer narrator by the name of Dean Anderson. Yes, yes, a fellow Canadian too. Yes. Yeah. What made you decide to go redo the audio and have it in this style? as far as um, you know, the storyline goes. Um, yeah, so Ava Lucas did the original on that and she did an amazing job. I was so happy with it. 
Um, and it, but it was, ended up being kind of a sleeper because it was my very first audiobook. So and I thought, you know, for the people that did listen to it, they, they had good things to say about it. And I thought, okay, so if I change it so that there is a duet situation with this, which is kind of the trend right now, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to bend into a trend and I've already spent a fair chunk of money producing that as an audiobook, if I spend a little more and put in a male voice and I can get a voice that, that in my mind sounds like Luke, um, then I'll do it. Why not? I, it's already produced. I just need to switch out. Ava's doing the, the male voice with Dane Anderson. And um, so, yeah, I'm just waiting on the final files from Dane and then I'll put that sucker together and we'll re-release it. And, I, and, I, and he, he sounds amazing. He, he totally nailed Luke, in my opinion, and I'm very, very excited um, to re-release it. So um, and I think that's that's the reason why I did that is because it being my first audiobook, nobody knew me from Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a hard sell, yeah. just like anything when you do something brand new. You're a hard sell because you, you don't have a fan base. Um, and so for, for that reason, and because the duet thing is is very popular right now, it just made sense. Mm-hmm. What made you um, go to cast Dame Anderson on that, though, out of all the narratives that are out there? Well, actually, I'd heard him uh, a couple of times on your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that, if for that reason, I thought, well, maybe I'll approach him. And I like the idea of hiring a Canadian because, um, you know, why not? <laughs> Everybody else I've hired is an American. And I thought it'd be nice to support somebody Canadian for once. So I'll just throw this at him and see if he's interested. And if, if the audio comes back good, then Bob's your uncle. So um, yeah, it, it just fit together like a glove. He sent me the sample and I fell in love instantly. And uh, so he's happy to be working for a Canadian author. And I'm happy to be working with a Canadian narrator. They do exist. So, they do. There's not very many of them, but they're up there. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like with anything that's that's working from home situation or that you have the ability to go to an office or in this case, a studio, you know, it, and now with social media, before we may, had no idea that we had offices in different states and not just the headquarters or that we have narrators that are of American background, but they live in, in the UK and vice versa. So it's like right. it's yeah. a huge, awesome you know, kind of activity that we have that works out. So yes, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I know I've heard of a lot of good things in general about the book and I'm just, you know, very, um, just to hear it differently is going to be fun too, because, you know, you, yeah. you said you hear it one way and you're going, hmm, and you go, Ooh, okay. You know, so that's going to be fun. Yeah. It, it, it's an Insta romance. Um, and I know some people just don't care for Insta romance, but, um, this one, in my opinion, it works. I could see myself being um, Virginia. To be quite honest, I think I am Virginia. I think I wrote myself. Mm. That book is about me as a person. I think I am Virginia. So, um, <laughs> uh, which is funny. And I wrote that book, I kid you not, in 12 days. Wow. I, I, I couldn't believe it fell out of me. And I think that part of the reason is because Virginia is me. And it was so easy to write her. Um, and then I just imagined what my favorite cowboy would look like and how he would react. And, um, and then I actually had to do some research on bull riding um, and raising cattle and stuff as well, um, which was new information for me. But I also love rodeos. So that was kind of where that came from uh, uh, for years prior to being 
in the business of writing, um, I was a photographer and I love action, sports action. And I used to go to the rodeos to photograph the bucking horses and um, barrel racing and things like that. So um, it kind of fit all together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You've been posting a lot more of your photography online on your Twitter account. And on your yeah, Instagram, those are all it. just cell phone shots. <laughs> don't don't my don't, real camera in months. Do not sell yourself short, okay? There's some people that don't even know how to access the camera on a cell phone, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> let alone take a photo. I mean, I know their apps and everything, but don't sell yourself short. Those the ones that I've seen have been great. Yeah, you don't mean can't tell it's been done. I mean, the, they've done phenomenal jobs on the cameras in general, but yes, still, yes, the, yes. it's still an end user thing. You know, the, the the camera or the phone can be the perfect quality, and you can still suck at taking a photo if the photographer <laughs> doesn't know what they're doing. So do not sell yourself short. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, so I love photography. It's one of those things where when you capture a moment in time and mm -hmm. it's just the perfect shot and it's not the perfect shot because the the lighting was greater there's no greenness it's just that moment that you've just captured and it's like what were they thinking or their thoughts might be on their face and things right like that. yeah it's a yeah I, I if I'm shooting people um I like to use a long lens and I like to be sort of like the paparazzi hiding in the bushes and capturing people in candid moments. Mm -hmm. Those are my favorite pictures, like at weddings. Yes. I don't want to be the main photographer. And I've been asked many times and I have done it many times uh, for friends and family, but I, I, I prefer to be the second shooter hiding in the bushes <laughs> in my fancy outfit, my high heels with the long lens and just capturing the bride and the groom or, or the kids or parents that sort of thing uh, dumb things like two people sharing a cigarette you know mm -hmm. or somebody pouring somebody else a drink um or just uh two people crouching down beside each other having a, a quiet little chat um they sound it sounds like stupid situations but when you capture them in the right moment um those are my favorite images so mm -hmm. and then with nature photography i love motion so waves uh, creeks rivers um that sort of thing like I, I if if someone said to me I've got a week to live I'd be flying to Hawaii laying on the beach and be photographing waves and surfers for the last week of my life that's what I would do because I love that kind of photography so much yeah no it's fun um I took a couple of photography classes in college and always wanted to and wanting to get back to because I on my bucket list is to be to learn how to do those uh develop your own film in a dark room so. Yeah, my my husband did that. And he's he's got as much artism in a, his his pinky finger. Like he he he's not an artistic person on any level, and yet he's done that in high school. And I never did any of that. I picked up a camera when I was about eighteen or nineteen years old because my dad used to like to take photographs. Mm -hmm. And um, you know that that's I just kind of did that for fun. But I never developed my own film, and I and I regret that I don't know how to do that. Yep. That, that's why I love the, another reason why I love the world that we live in is that we're able to do that now. And a lot of things are more accessible we can watch a YouTube video. Um, <laughs> yeah. Similar how I did like, so, Hey, I wanted, I want to do a podcast. What equipment do I need? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a lot easier for us to do, but it's that those moments that you were talking about, those were always been my favorites to, to see also as the viewer of the photographer of the photography is yes. to catch those moments and then you're wondering like what are they thinking or what are they doing or what emotions are going through their heads and 
Yeah. So what you're doing is you're telling a story through images. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And those are always fun too. Um, I'm so, you know, I'm sure one day you'll grab a photo and you're going, Ooh, that would make a good story. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the hero is with a photographer and he's on a lens with like a paparazzi and and the heroine just comes up to him and says, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should write a story about a surfer or that too yeah i mean a surfer from hawaii or australia or something yeah i mean and if you need to get better i mean i know we have the internet and stuff like that but if you want more in-depth knowledge and and you know as to what that would be like in those things it's always called the trip and you can totally expand that as product knowledge and yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no it's it's very easy to research what you what you need to know now Mm -hmm. I, i i imagine it was far more difficult you know 40 years ago for for authors to get um, the actual research they needed unless they interviewed people that were in those professions. Yeah. But also too, I mean, even though we have it as easy accessible, there's just so much information out there that it's always a little hard to sometimes to figure out which one is true or not. And mm-hmm. it's just different too, to put into words what the sand in one of the, the beaches on Hawaii feel like versus the description in a Wikipedia that says it's grainy, you know? <laughs> No yes. shit, Sherlock. Yes, yes, it's sand. I know it's grainy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All I know is the stuff that's in Hawaii is really hard to get off. <laughs> we'll so talk fun, about that right? off air as to exactly how you know that, Sandra. Yeah, rolling in the surf naked. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Beached whale. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, be good. <laughs> So when you're not working, that brings me to the next one. Uh, what do you do for fun? <laughs> um, what do I do for fun? Well, photography, I guess, mm-hmm. would be my, my second passion. Um, and, oh, I, I just reading books and watching watching movies. Um, those are my favorite things to do mm-hmm. in, in my spare time. Um, yeah. And, and, and if I'm going to go outside, then it's going to... Anytime I go for a walk, I, I will always have my camera with me because you just never know what you're going to find. I mean, usual flower, um, you know, sun peeking through the trees or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm pretty basic. I'm not very exciting, unfortunately. Jeez, ah, <laughs> I'd like to hang out with you and just have one of those walks and say, "Hey, do you see that leaf?" <laughs> so- yeah, no, and, and just yeah, birds like a bird you'd never seen before, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god!" You know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could have any animal as a pet, what would it be and why? Oh, um, yeah, puffin. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so damn cute. I've never seen a puffin in, in, in my, with my own eyes, other than in books and videos, um, until I went to Iceland. My husband is Icelandic. My husband and I went to Iceland uh, in 2018, and I saw puffins on the cliff. And I had no idea how fast they flew. Like they literally just jump off the cliff and they dive bomb down um, to the water or wherever they're going. And they're like little bullets. It's, it's, it's actually quite amusing. Um, and they're just a delight to watch and they're cute as buttons. Um, yeah, so puffin, I guess. I know, I don't know how you'd keep puffin, but. No, but they are adorable. They are. They're, they're just so cute. Yeah. And it's almost like a mix between like a penguin and a parrot, of, you know, kind of like. Yes. The beak. Yes. And a penguin the, and a parrot. Exactly. Yeah. And it's because the body kind of looks, you know, from the neck down, a little penguinish. And yeah. then 
the the face a little bit more of a parrot because especially because their beaks are nice and colorful yes very bright yes yeah so yeah and and if, if it had to be something more realistic then i'd say a goat <laughs> because they're amusing they are and they're so cute when they're babies yes you know yeah yeah, all those TikTok videos where you hear them clomping across the floor that but yeah. oh my god, I'm rolling on the floor laughing. It just gets me every time. There is I'm so easily amused, it's pathetic. No, it's it's good. I, there's one TikToker that I think has like a farm and has a bunch of goats, and he's like way, way far away. And he's like, Do you hear that? As he's getting closer, he's like, Yep, that's still them. And it's about feeding time. And so he opens up the gates from the barn where they're all at, and they go specifically to where they're fed. And the next foot, you know, the next little scene on, on the video is them all eating, but they're wagging their tails in excitement yes. and happiness. And it's like, oh my God, that is so cute. You know, and yes. that, that I've seen that video and it, yeah, it's like dogs with the tails. They yes. just, and they're the little metronomes boop, 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 back and yeah. forth. Yeah. Very funny. It is, but at the same time, I'm going, oh, to get this excited about food. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I suffer from something like I don't normally get cravings for foods and, and I know that drives everybody in the house crazy because like what do you want to eat I don't know what do you <laughs> and it's because I don't really care you know I don't have a craving very rarely will I have a oh that sounds really good like for myself unless you mention it that's different uh, yes. so to be that excited about food like because you know what you want oh that'd be so nice yes yes exactly <laughs> my goats are cute but again <sighs> the puffins are also cute too <laughs> what is your favorite word um it's actually the name of a place and, I, and it's my favorite because i heard somebody from a miss america or miss uh, universe pageant uh say it in in the proper way from her native country and the word is nicaragua mm. <laughs> i just love the way it came off her off her lips the way she pronounced i mean Anybody else would just say Nicaragua, which sounds pretty boring. But when you hear it the way she said it, I was like, that is so gorgeous. <laughs> yes, 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 definitely. It kind of rolls off your tongue. So yeah, it, it, like Spanish, I think is a, is a really beautiful language. I wish I knew it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. So Nicaragua, got it. Nicaragua. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> And that's not, and usually, you know, it's, it's, it's because of the native speakers. And I had the same thing when it, like Italian words or, um, yeah, it's, you know, other things like that, where it's not native to my English or my Spanish, there's still certain words I'm going, Ooh, say that again. And it's just like, wow. Okay. But also the, oh, accents. I know, I know when we speak English and we try to pronounce um, a foreign word, mm -hmm. such as something in Italian or Spanish, um, we brutalize it. Mm -hmm. We take all the sex out of it. <laughs> We do. We yeah. take all the sex out of it. Nicaragua versus Nicaragua. Very yeah. different. Very mm -hmm. sexy. <laughs> yeah. Ex ex exoticness. Yes. Yeah, it's all that, it that thing. Yes. yes. That's, yeah. yeah. It happens. But what is your favorite curse word? Oh, yeah. The, the F bomb. I'm, I definitely say that word an awful lot. Um, I, I, I laugh at Carrie Wallace. Um, I jokingly call her my my next door neighbor, but even though she lives in the Midwest United States and I'm on the West Coast of Canada, she is my neighbor in 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 spirit because mm -hmm. for her everything is fuck this and fuck that, and and um, I can't tell you how many times I say that under my breath mm -hmm. to myself while I'm working on something, and I'm in, I'm just in here cussing to myself, and my husband walks past the the office door and he's like, 
what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, so the, the F word, unfortunately, is the one that comes out of my mouth easy, most easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not very elegant and it's not very polite. But, um, you know, that's that's my private space. That's mm-hmm. Everybody has their thing, right? Yes, no, they do. They do. And and also the, and again, with like with any language, there are certain words that are significantly le- seen less as a quote unquote, you know, curse word versus a normal part of the com- dialect and conversation. And yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. And then I think, you know, when it comes down to it, I usually tend to watch my F-bombs more or less when there's little ones around. Oh, yeah, but other definitely. than that, it's a free for all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. I I agree. Like in certain company, uh, I'll know whether I can tell right away whether that is an appropriate response to anything mm-hmm. or not, and I will, you know, change my my speech patterns accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my own home, yes, that that word gets thrown around an awful lot. I mm-hmm. think I have that wallpapered somewhere. <laughs> One of the rooms. Well, it's such, such a good F-words. word. It's such a good word. I mean, you can use it's, it as an everything. adjective. Yeah. I mean, yeah. no, an adjective yeah. pronoun. I mean, and the, the emphasis, whether it's on the on the first two syllables or the middle, or if you're doing like a Joe Arden and you're, you know, ex, you know, extending it, it's just all different options. Yeah. And, the, and all the narrators have their own little thing with that word that we're going, okay, now you say it. Okay, now you say it. And it's <laughs> so different. It's like, and it just hits differently too. Yes. Yeah, some put a lot of emphasis on the U and some mm-hmm. put a lot of emphasis on the F and some put a lot of emphasis on the CK part. It depends yeah. on how they're enunciating it. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, the are you fucking kidding me and what the fuck is this about, I think are probably the most common phrases out of my mouth. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. For fuck's sakes has been my late lately. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, like similar to you, like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, mm-hmm. Are the two. And I'm like, going, what the, oh, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun word. Let's face it. It is. It is. And then you can start messing around with it. Cause even like the, like I, I know it's not any word, but I know it's been more, more popular. Like, like the fuckery, of, fuckery of it all, you know, yes. it's just a, uh, it's another thing again, that goes back to like the original roots and uh, it's just like really nice. So. Yeah, and I, I had to go through my last book, and I probably eliminated about eighty or ninety instances of the word "fuck." Yeah. Um, and there's still a lot of f words in that book. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, it's about roadies and rock and roll, so you know that's just natural conversation for them. But um, you know, even after I read it back when it came back from the editor the first time, I'm like, yeah maybe there is just a few too many of those in there. And so it was really hard to weed them out because, you know, they're very passionate conversations and that usually where those, those words come into play, mm-hmm. um, you know? Yep. No, it's, it's hard. And I know sometimes people, the authors get dinged on it in reviews. So there were so many bad words and other times we yeah. will use that in order to buy the book, you know, when it has too much sex or it has too many profanity, we're going so, yeah. um, <laughs> so yeah. I, I, as long as it's relative to the character, yes. and I don't mind. I, mm-hmm. I don't mind any swear word as long as is is I'm understanding that this is just what the character is like. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, look at professions like you were saying. You know, um, rock stars, rodeos, even chefs in a in a in a, in a kitchen. Oh my yeah. god! Between the f word and throwing the pans, that's common. That's just common. That happens. Yeah, it's it's just a seasoning. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> and when they're not doing it, you start worrying. 
you're going, oh, where did we fuck up? Because we're not <laughs> out, of that, out of the chefs today. So, yeah. yeah. That's funny. for sure. Yeah. We have reached the game section of our chat today. Um, yeah. So if you're ready, we're going to do a two truths and a lie where our guest tells us three things about themselves, but only two of them are actual truths and one's a lie. And we, and I always like to say we, because, you know, listeners are here with me um, and hopefully playing along, get to try to figure out which one is the lie. Okay. Okay. So you want me to start my first one? Yeah. You'll just tell us all three things and then we'll reiterate and then we'll, and I have to figure that out, which one's, you know, the lie. Okay. Uh, let me think for a second. Um, okay. Um, my grandfather could easily have been mistaken for George Burns. Um, let's see a second one. Um, two, I think it was 2004, might've been earlier or later that member of the world idol championships. Well, the guy that won Kurt Nilsson, he's my cousin. Hmm. And uh, let's see. Oh, um, I was born with two thumbs on my left hand. What do you think? Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ugh. There you go. Wow. Um, hmm. You've made this one difficult, <laughs> which is great as it should be, you know, it's supposed to be that kind of a thing. Um, ooh. And also you were, even you were playing around with it. Like, let me think about that and how I'm just going to tell you. Um, but uh, yeah, let's ooh, dang. Um, born with two thumbs on your left hand. You think that's the lie? Yeah, I think that's the lie. That's the truth. Oh my goodness. Yeah, polydact polydactylism. My huh. my my extra thumb grew out of the the like my hand looks normal if you look at it, mm-hmm. but if I point it out, you'll see that it's actually an extra finger and not really a thumb. But oh, it's wow. in the thumb wow. position. Yeah. So wow. it's called polydactylism. My great uncle had it, so it seems to skip a generation. Mm. Okay, so now we're left with your grandfather easily been mistaken for George Burns or 2004, give or take, your uh, cousin was the winner of the champion of a idol competition. Yeah. Hmm. I remember George Burns. Um, That's possible. Um, But that's still, who knows? So I'm going to go with George Burns being truth. Yes, that's correct. (sighs) Okay. So your cousin was a lie. <laughs> yes. Yes. We share the same last name, but we're not related. Oh, see that when that happens, everybody's like, Oh, are you guys related? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kurt yeah. Nielsen. Yeah. Um, he beat out Kelly Clarkson, believe it or not, in oh, that competition, wow. which is surprising because I really thought Kelly would win. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, no, both amazing singers. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. So did your grandfather get, um, said a lot hey you, you know you look like george burns or is that more something um, that you're seeing um yeah it was because none of us look like him at all he's he's he looked like he could be a jockey so he was a smaller guy um and you know had the same kind of wrinkly face and haircut as george burns and he used to wear my grandmother's reading glasses which were circular round glasses mm-hmm. so when he put those on he totally looked like george burns wow okay yeah 
He was too cheap to buy his own pair of reading glasses. He just borrowed hers. <laughs> but you know what? I think honestly, that was a generational thing because I mean, I, I've seen it in movies. I've seen it with my, 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 my grandparents. And it was just one of those things that it was just like out of convenience. They would just yes. grab each other's glasses and I'm yeah. going, no. <laughs> you know, I grab my husband's glasses his eyesight is completely different from mine it's like the opposite so yeah um, exactly same thing with mine my prescription is almost like it yeah no it's it's bad it's bad yeah I would trip over my own face if I wore my husband's glasses mm-hmm. yeah that's cool well thank you for sharing all that with us <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I got on the second try um <laughs> that's true yeah so we'll see our, the listeners will have to tell us what they thought was the lie and their two truths and see how well they did. And we'll go from there. Right. So before we go, Sandra, why don't you tell us what's currently either what you're working on or what's coming out next? What can you tell us so we can write it down? Oh, okay. So, yes. Yeah, so um, I have one book that's not quite finished yet. And that one's going to the editor soon. And that one's called The Companion. Um, but the, the release that uh, just came out in paperback and ebook, which is coming out this summer uh, in audiobook, is From Bridges to Breakdowns, and that's a rock romance. Um, and so the narrators for that one, uh, that's Jacob Morgan, plays the lead. Ava Lucas is his love interest. Um, then we have new to me narrator, Stephen Dexter, who's going to play the rock star. Um, and he's also going to be doing the singing. And then we also have Dane Anderson uh, filling in with several voices as a bunch of all the little side characters. Cool. So that one's exciting. I'm really excited about that one. So we've got four narrators. It's, it's a good multicast. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we talked about um, um, uh, Dane Anderson voicing, the, the voicing for Luke. Uh, for Rain on a Tin Roof. So that's uh, the next one that's going to come out. It's probably released around the same time, actually, as um, From Bridges to Breakdowns. Um, so other than that, um, that's the projects I have on the go. I have lots of ideas. Um, like I said, the Irish project. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, those things are still still ideas. Not, not quite ready to pen those yet. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing with us. And I'm excited about that title, especially with so many narrators. Those are always fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, the story behind that actually is um, I used to do interviews with uh, local rock bands, indie bands uh, with a friend of mine. Um, And one of the bands we interviewed was called Bridges to Bridges and Breakdowns. That was the name of the band. And I always thought that was a fantastic name for uh, a rock band. Unfortunately, they have disbanded and they've gone their own way in their lives and stuff. But that name always stuck with me. So when I decided to write a rock romance, I thought, oh, bridges and breakdowns. Oh, how about from bridges to breakdowns? And then the story is about how that happens. So um, I, I, I actually put a note inside the book, giving them credit for my inspiration for the title. Um, and uh, so that's that's where that came from. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you again for um, sharing all that information and being my guest for this year's Audiobook Loving series. Oh, no, I, I this was too much fun and I talked too much and I cough too much. And um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, hopefully I can get rid of this cough. I'm hoping to quit smoking soon. But um, uh, yeah, 
that I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. And um, if you ever need someone to cough on, on your program again, you're welcome to, to call me up. <laughs> God, I will definitely be bringing you back, but not for that. Um. <laughs> no, okay, okay. Well, but we do know that check. Yeah, if we do know if we ever need to have like a, an, a you know, a, a clip of that, we might be able to reach out to you, but no, I don't think that would be necessary. <laughs> but uh, no, definitely, this has been great as lots of fun, lots of you know, learning new things and stuff like that. And I, and I love that about these chats. So that's great. So thank you again. No, well, thank you. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear how badly I sound in these interviews. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for hanging out with us today. And we hope you've enjoyed this episode as well as the series. And until next time, happy listenings. <laughs> the Audiobook Love and Podcast has special Patreon incentives. Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes, exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin. Thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' series, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. We hope you have enjoyed this episode as well as the series. We've included audio samples of our guests' work within the post for you to check out. Please make sure to visit the main page, link within the post, to learn more about the series, the authors, and the narrators. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to this series if you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you've enjoyed this program.